This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Snigdha and joining us today is News Laundry correspondent from Assam currently, Supriti David. Hi Supriti. Good to have you back. Good to be here. <laughs> How's it going? Are you still in Assam? Yep, still in Assam. All right, so we'll begin with sharing some bizarre news stories, but before that, I want to tell all our new listeners about News Laundry. We are a 100% ad-free news platform and we really need your support to stay afloat. So please do subscribe to us and pay to keep news free. Uh, you can go to our website, newslaundry.com and click on the subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on platforms like iTunes or Spotify, please head over to uh, our website, newslaundry.com, where you'll find a plethora of uh, ground reports, uh, satire, and even uh, videos, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. All right, Supriti. Shoot. What's oh. your story? <laughs> so uh, this is the um, 11,000 liters of milk and curd being poured into oh. the foundation pit of a temple in Rajasthan. I have no words. I mean, Nostradamus, I was reading today, he's uh, in his predictions, he's mm. written that 2021, there's going to be like a famine. And <laughs> I mean, looking at this, I don't <gasps> think he's wrong. <laughs> We're headed straight there. Uh, or he is absolutely wrong because look, they have so much to waste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I actually saw the pictures of them pouring milk into that pit. Uh, and it yeah, was really... and the temple is going to cost a crore to build. Oh, amazing. Yeah. In the middle of a pandemic where people have lost their jobs, they don't have food on their table. Exactly. Uh, well, that's our country for you. <laughs> and uh, let me add to that. Uh, so my bizarre news story is actually about... Two weeks old and mm-hmm. it has something to do with uh, one of uh, Controversy's favorite child uh, <laughs> from, of course, the BJP. Her name is uh, Pragya Thakur. <laughs> oh, she returned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. One, once again. And uh, this time she said something. Obviously, we know. So, so Priti, have you realized people who are bigoted, especially Hindus, Mm-hmm. You most of them are also very casteist. Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, and she's also she actually exemplifies this. She recently said, I don't know what I think she was talking about the Bengal elections and criticizing uh, Mamta Banerjee. I, uh, okay. There was an attack on this JP Nadda's uh, convoy, right, when he was uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. campaigning in Bengal. So around that time. Uh, she was talking uh, about Mamta Banerjee criticizing her. And then she said something like, uh, you know, a Kshatriya doesn't feel bad if you call them a Kshatriya. A Brahmin doesn't feel bad if you call them Brahmin. Vaishya also doesn't feel bad if you call them Vaishya. But a Shudra feels bad you, that you call them Shudra. Why? Because they don't understand. That's what she said. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... How is she so removed from reality? Exactly. And and this is after, you know, um, Narendra Modi himself actually reprimanded her, remember? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was uh, when she said Naturam Godse was uh, mm-hmm. something. She was praising him, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I really don't understand how she's not been thrown out of the party. No clue, dude. It's shocking. But I guess these are the kind of uh, leaders that add strength to our governing party. Of course. <laughs> where would we, where would we be without them? I know. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough of uh, strange news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we shall come to our topic of discussion for the week. Now, uh, listeners, those of you who do follow News Laundry uh, must be aware that we have something called the News Laundry Sena Project. Now, um, the the idea behind it basically is for readers to fund the stories that they want to know more about. And uh, usually, it always uh, you know these stories always happen to be the ones that are ignored. you know mostly by legacy media houses who actually have the resources to cover them um news laundry on the other hand which is like i said 100% free of advertisements does not have the kind of resources required to cover these stories but fortunately that is where our readers and subscribers step in and uh, they pitch in to make each project see the light of day now under each project we have like a series of in depth ground reports and the latest one under the news laundry sena uh, project is called uh, disastrous consequences and um, we all know you know how every year there's not a single year that goes by where some part of a country is struck by some natural disaster or the other you know this this year was the same we had floods cyclones droughts wildfires and add to that the godforsaken pandemic um now one of these calamities that we witness every year are the assam floods right for those of us who actually do not live in that region it is merely something that we see you know on our television screens for a few days every year and that's that after that it is completely conveniently forgotten So uh, while the floods are uh, in the Brahmaputra they occur they've been happening since very early times thousands of years but uh, in recent years they've become more severe now this is due to a variety of reasons right which are mostly man made and uh, as we know higher temperatures cause more evaporation of sea water and uh, in this region the water that ends up as uh, monsoon rainfall is the ocean water right and this is why scientists have been warning that climate change is going to intensify monsoon rains in the coming decades and that is going to increase uh, seasonal flooding apparently in the last 60 years um subsequent governments have spent close to 30000 crore rupees in building embankments to check the rivers rising uh, waters um so while annual flooding is a natural phenomenon of course but the severity of the floods is a consequence of a host of man-made factors um which range from deforestation and encroach- encroachment bad planning you know terrible policy um so to find out how the assam floods have affected our ecology and environment miss david here traveled across assam to answer this question for us and um, she visited six of the worst affected districts uh, covered more than 1300 kilometers along both sides of the brahmaputra uh, brahmaputra's banks and uh, she also traveled to the world's largest river island majuli and uh, she came back and she wrote two in-depth ground reports under the same series now each report is accompanied with a bunch of heartbreakingly beautiful photographs and if you've not seen them yet 
well, you're really missing out. So, Sabriti, first yes. of all, if you could just tell us, um, our listeners and me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> about the basics, you know, before we dive into your reports, if you could just tell us a bit more about the river, how it floods, you know, um, you can consider this a brief 101 on the Brahmaputra floods. Okay, so um, the basics are, so every year between uh, May to September, uh, you know, the uh, Brahmaputra starts flooding. Okay, so this is because of the monsoons and uh, it swells. Now, every year when the floods happen, the people living in uh, villages which are close to the river, Mm -hmm. they they have to essentially live those uh, months submerged like in water now uh with the flooding there's also um you know uh very um there's another phenomenon that occurs that is not very uh much talked about which is erosion which accompanies the flooding now erosion isn't you don't need like a person who is affected by erosion he can't even uh get uh, compensated for that as yet in the state Mm -hmm. of Assam, which uh you know like that itself should tell you just how uh, like unplanned and unmanaged, mismanaged, uh, in fact, this whole uh, natural um, disaster is. Hmm. Even though, like you said, it's been going on for so many years. Yeah. It's extremely mismanaged. And pe- what people, uh, the government and the people uh, affected, what they have in common is that they've accepted this, uh, you know, natural disaster for what it is, a natural disaster. They think it cannot be, pre- because it cannot be prevented, the, um, you know, damage that accompanies it cannot be mitigated. But then that's not true because the problems that these people, uh, like the people who I met during the course of the journey, uh, the problems that they face are very basic problems and which if looked into properly at a policy, uh, you know, level can be, you know, um, uh, dealt with better. Yeah, exactly. And because everyone's just looking at it at this uh, as this ill-fated, uh, you know, occurrence that mm-hmm. cannot be helped, uh, that's reflecting in the, you know, the way policy is, um, you know, built around it. Right, right. So, in fact, I mean, now that you're saying uh, this, it mm-hmm. should be the other way around because every year the government knows whichever government it is, right? They know exactly when the floods are going to come, what exactly is going to happen, how how much area is going to get affected and how. So They know the exact number of people are going to be affected as well. Exactly, yeah. But um, it's just, and uh, so like you said, embankments is one, uh, you know, major uh, mitigation uh, measure that they've invested heavily in. But this year alone, there were 180 embankments that were breached. And about, I think, 300, if I'm not wrong, mm. embankments have completely, you know, they haven't been uh, either, you know, renovated or, I mean, uh, not renovated, um, you know, uh, rebuilt or, right. uh, you know, looked after for mm. many, many years, since like the 1950s. Mm. And it's just in such a bad state. And they, everyone keeps saying, you know, we have embankments and, you know, we'll keep building embankments. Mm. But the embankments is like you know environmentalists will tell you that 
embankments aren't the end all they're, they're not the exactly. only you know way that you can there's a lot of you know, it has to be a holistic approach yeah. and uh, everyone's taking the short term um, yeah so- i mean in fact i was reading about the embankments that have been uh, made in assam and apparently like this uh, american civil engineer in the late 1800s had warned against uh building embankments uh, or looking at it as a permanent solution to flooding because uh, supposedly what happens is uh that uh, you know as you build uh, these embankments the river starts flowing at a faster pa- pace exactly. and also it causes the water levels to rise higher mm like for example i was reading i don't know exactly where i read i think it was a quint report where uh, they were talking about how dibrugarh is uh, mm-hmm. you know they have like huge embankments around the city right but there is this uh, area that is called patraganj right mm-hmm. yeah. um next to dibrugarh and that area gets like it's like a basically like a double whammy you know mm. the, because of the embankments that are built uh, in its in the neighboring dibrugarh mm. the impact of the floods is double in uh, this patraganj area so i'm not surprised at all yeah and it's not just the you know because the government uh, and the administration keeps putting so much emphasis on like you know building embankments and that embankments will be the you know this uh, magical solution to flooding mm. reflected in what the people you know they uh, create matlab their demands as well for example take this when i was in majuli right mm-hmm. uh, in thailand and you know it's shrunk to like half its size now uh, in the last few years now the people in majuli when i'd ask them um, you know what they think the government should do for them to help them uh, mm-hmm. you know um, uh, in this situation they mm-hmm. said what you know they said we know they've told us that embankments they'll build embankments around majuli to help stop it from eroding now mm-hmm. just can you see the you know how can you protect a river island from eroding by putting yeah, embankments yeah. around it and they only know this because the government has been constantly telling them this so right. you see how there's like not just a lack of lack of communication will come to in a bit but there's sort of misinformation that's going right, down right. as well because uh, yeah um so pretty i mean um, before we get into the other issues uh, mm-hmm. that you brought up in your reports um let me tell you that you they beautifully written reports and you've really you know even for me as a person because i've never lived in assam or uh, you know seen i've just heard of it on television or on you know news and like you said it's like a very statistical um yeah. uh, you know um occurrence for me okay this much square kilometer of land was lost and this this these many people died these many animals died and that's that but you yeah. really your reports are really given a human face to the disaster and uh, that's really well done thank you so um let me uh, i i really want uh, you to tell our listeners about your journey from where you started you covered more than 1000 kilometers on both sides of the river uh, if you could just uh, you know tell us a little more about your journey from where you started where it ended okay so i started uh, off at margarita which is where i live currently mm-hmm. and uh, we i hired a car and there was just this really nice uh, i was very lucky that i got such a nice driver i think any reporter will agree with me when 
uh, they when i say that a, like you know a kind and nice driver is a very yes uh, it's a boon 100% 100% <laughs> and a journey as long as this so yeah i was very lucky so both of us we started off from margarita and uh, we went to uh, jorhat first so um, that's about 6 uh, hours away so that was the first day we went to jorhat where we went to uh, japang village in block mm. uh, which is a little ahead of jorhat but uh, yeah that was our first stop uh, in japang the next day we went to majuli which is another we had to cross the um, we had to go to the ghat and take a ferry uh, across mm-hmm. and to the river island and then uh, there we like went to another village which was uh, dokhimpat uh, koibotra gaon um, then we crossed the matlab <laughs> we went to the breadth of the um, island to the other side to um, uh, we went on to gopur okay yeah gopur we went to borpa borfalang uh, gaon which is uh-huh. gopur then we went to uh, the next day we drove to um, bishnath ghat which is again it's in the same uh, not very far away just an hour away uh-huh. um, then uh, from bishnath ghat we came to dhemaji which is about 4 hours i think right um, dhemaji was um, hesuli gaon um, dhemaji was beautiful just i mean uh as a side note if you know uh, apart from the tragedy that occurs you should um i, sh- I just need to say it's a very mm. very beautiful district of assam um and uh, from dhemaji we came to um dibrugarh which was the last stop which was uh, moinapotra right Pathara, so yeah. you went uh, almost dhemaji is like near the arunachal border Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. you yeah, reached uh, that side of the state, uh-huh. and uh, you begin your first report with Hesuli Pothar, which is in Timaji, right? Yes, right, right. Uh, can you can you tell us a little more about um, this village? Yeah. So Hesuli was. Um, it's quite. Uh, you know. So all the what all the villages I visited had in common hmm. was the fact that they were all very interior villages, and I chose hmm. these. मतलब uh, it was a very conscious uh, decision because uh, we didn't want to visit the. I mean, these obviously are extremely are amongst the most. Um, you know affected villages in the state mm. but these are the ones which are extremely difficult to reach so right. uh, this was a very conscious decision on which my part which probably explains uh, why you know yeah. later on you mentioned how the government's help and compensation yeah, yeah. all those things doesn't really reach them and exactly yeah. and this was something that i had like before leaving i had a feeling that this would be the case and um, unfortunately i mean uh, it's the truth that not a lot of government relief even reaches uh, these areas so about um, hesuli what i can tell you is uh, it's a village that's located quite quite a distance from the main highway it's tucked away in this um, like you know quite far away hmm. and uh, what was interesting about so we reached the village like i reached the village and uh, i started like talking to the people and i could see that e- there were huge you know land uh, like spaces of land hmm. which um, you know were completely empty like huge spaces hmm. and when i asked them like uh, what are these spaces for and uh, they said that 
these are their farmlands these were their farmlands that uh, they used to grow crop on but uh, because of the uh, flooding and the um, you know initially when it used to flood you used to uh, you know you would get silt after the flooding right, right. Uh, but now what happens is because of climate change and because of a lot of uh, you know human and that silt is supposed to be i mean sorry for interrupting that silt is yeah, supposed to be yeah. great for growing crops exactly, right exactly yeah uh-huh. yeah so that was that used to be the silver lining of like the floods but now what happens is after the floods you are left with sand and sand isn't you know uh, the crop that they grow it won't grow in sand so it leaves mm-hmm. their entire land completely you know uncultivatable and so these were these huge uh, masses of land which you like you immediately you saw as soon as you entered the village mm-hmm. and um, the you know um, you saw uh, houses that were either partially damaged or like you know there were um, so they're called um, changs uh, changs are um, I'm sh- i think you may know but yeah stilt stilt houses right houses yeah, yeah made yeah. of uh, essentially bamboo and uh, yeah so there were changs built aside like um, beside broken you know um, what you could tell used to be a home but is now damaged so this mm-hmm. was and um, you know uh, bridges that would like go into the like bamboo bridges that would go into the houses so this is what you saw initially when you came now what the uh, people like the residents of hesuri did they took me to this um, stream which was a little uh, you know little not even 5 minutes walk like as soon as you go and there was a stream and across the stream was this huge uh, you know paddy field uh-huh. uh, and uh, it was very like you know initially when i saw it i found it very interesting because i mean the paddy was growing like right at the edge and uh, then there was a stream and we were on the other side so i found right. it really it was very interesting so when i asked them about it then they told me that uh, this stream had cut through their village this this year matlab oh. uh, when the floods had come that year the embankment had breached and this right. was a stream like an offspring not offspring sorry then offshoot of the um, jiadhal river which like flows a tributary of the mahaputra so it was a um, yeah offshoot of the main river and it had taken so this entire area where the stream was now was entirely farmland and had like you know it was filled with a uh, crop and everything and when the uh, stream came in it took everything away and uh, it yeah and the woman i spoke to uh, rekha gogoi yeah. yeah so it was really really sad because she told me like she was uh, recounting to me that her uh, it's only her husband that works and uh, you know he was he's a farmer and this was their land this was mm-hmm. their own land mm-hmm. and uh, it was completely you know washed away and she can't even look like she told me she couldn't even she can't even look at the river like that stream anymore because that's exactly so dramatic and she mm-hmm. has to live that every day and she they still haven't found another you know um, stable um, means of uh, earning so the kind of like everyday uh, trauma that you know um, families like her have to go through it's like unimaginable isn't even a word mm-hmm. uh through your reports i forgot that you know uh, one of the major parts of flooding is uh, 
the river keeps changing all these tributaries yeah. and streams they keep changing their course right yeah. which yeah. uh you know the, breeding, which is, i think if i'm not wrong right breeding. Yeah. you mentioned it in your report as well so how yeah. does that happen is that because of uh you know people living encroachment basically people living too close uh to the river is it because of deforestation uh, uh is it because of the embankments uh breeding i think is uh, a natural phenomenon if i'm not wrong it's a normal um it's normal for a river to uh-huh. change course yeah but uh i think it's happening more um you know intensely exactly and because people live uh i'm sure you must know this but there's a huge um you know demand for land in like you know assam and you hear people constantly saying mati and i which means there is no land and with erosion constantly you know happening people yeah. are living closer to the river's edge and uh, because of the erosion they're getting landless so it's a, can you it's like a vicious cycle mm-hmm. it's the land is getting eroded and people you know they're being forced to live on the river's edge and uh, getting affected even more right right you also went to this village called uh, borflang right which yeah, is yeah, yeah. underwater for 6 months that is half the year it's underwater but there are yeah. people who still live there and you met many of these people can you tell us a little bit about this place yeah so uh, all uh, one thing i want to like say say at the outset is that uh, all of the villages that i visited are underwater for at least 4 months of the year at least wow at like where so the degrees vary for instance like uh, for a few months for a week maybe they'll have respite in these few months in these uh, four to six months but like at a stretch four months at the minimum now the people the borfalang which is in gopur they all of them live on like you know the uh, towns like i said the stilted houses right. and uh, every oh, i remember one of the uh, villagers even telling me that they have to keep raising their land matlab um, you know uh, raising the land on which the stilts are built so oh. that the chang goes higher because the water levels keep increasing right 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 so i realized uh, i mean quite early that both are a uh, you know they're very 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 important mm-hmm. especially in borfalang uh, there were more boats in borfalang than the other villages i guess oh, it makes sense because right. you know it's um, underwater for about 6 months so uh, yeah and borfalang is very um, you know interior again and there's this very mm-hmm. narrow road which like through which you have to go and our car was a small um, what was it uh, um the roads in borfalang are very narrow and uh, our car barely fit in that narrow road and uh, during the floods the the only way in and out of the village is uh, like using a boat you can't really the road goes completely underwater wow. and there's no way that uh, if you don't have a boat you are stuck in the village you're completely cut off your home. Oh, yeah you're completely oh, cut off yeah that's so scary. yeah So and obviously, uh, Supriti. I mean, uh, when the floods happen, right? The uh, places like these, not only are they are they cut off, but um, in, I'm sure the electricity, the power lines also get affected, right? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, for example, this uh, one uh, person, um, Pradeep Mili, who had spoken huh. to in Borfalang, he now he is a person who has had to leave his uh, initial like his I birth know. village it's because really sad. Yeah, yeah, he had to leave his birth village in like two thousand eight, and uh, because it was completely eroded away, he had to come to Borfalang, and now he lives. A little, uh, you know, far from the others, hmm. uh, that was the only land he could afford because he came in with only the clothes on his back, like I mentioned in my uh, yeah. report, yeah. and uh, that's the only land he can afford. And in uh, even in that land, he can only stay in his house for about um, three months, I think. And uh, after which, like, do because. Uh, for th- after three months, um, he has to. There's no way that he can stay in that house because it get it gets completely submerged, and uh, he has to go and live on the embankment for the rest of the months that the flood uh, affects their village. Um, yeah, and he so uh, about the electricity bit. So he mm-hmm. has two children who mm-hmm. go to school, and uh, he so the electricity line it doesn't reach his house. It, it under normal oh. circumstances as well, but during the floods, it's even worse because even in the three months that he is in his house mm-hmm. and he's trying to educate his, uh, you know, get his, um, like his children, for example, want to do homework at home, mm-hmm. and uh, all like you know, there's already that uh, pressure. Ki there's no electricity at home, mm-hmm. but with the water around you, it's like it's even. Worst toll mm-hmm. that it takes on the children, but yeah, electricity is a problem uh, during the flood month, even in other villages. Right, and that that I mean, um, that brings me to my next question. Uh, you met a lot of children and young yeah. college going to. I mean, they're not actually technically going to college anymore because mm-hmm. of the pandemic and all of that. But even the floods, how has I mean, how it's sort of again like a double whammy, right? The floods yeah. and on top of the pandemic. How are the children and young students dealing uh, with it? I mean, you met many of them. Okay, so I think this uh, what this woman in um, uh, Japan had said to me when I'd met her about uh, like you know the education, the mm-hmm. impact on the education uh, that the floods have. I think what she said really. Uh, encapsulated. She said, "Just because we're born in a, a la- in in a land which is considered backward, mm-hmm. why does that mean that my children have to always remain backward? Yes. You know, like why is it that uh, because you know my uh, we are affected by the floods? Why is it that um, you know?" Uh, what she said was that uh, you know because they lived in this land where uh, her children couldn't go to school for like three months of the year, mm-hmm. and even after the flood waters would recede, they had to stay back and help out with the you know cleaning up of the mm-hmm. uh, of the area and you know uh, bringing back life to normal, rebuilding life. their life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they lose out four months essentially of the year, like you know yeah. in terms of schooling and. It's sad. It's like especially I don't know sad because 
um it's not a fault of the children at all they are all extremely willing to learn and they uh, want to even live in uh, they for example one boy that had met he said that why doesn't the government build boarding like you know boarding houses yeah. uh, beside the schools and colleges so we can stay there during those months yeah. uh, you know and we can attend class but then there's this other uh, like the other children would say there's no way that we could even think of leaving our families at that time they need our help and it's just a very um, you know a situation yeah. where nobody really wins unless there's actual uh, you know uh, in depth policy reform uh, yeah. that has to come in because you know i could have left this uh, you know like point saying uh, that you know oh it's so sad and i wish there was something we could do there is there is stuff that we can do and that's what this child from uh, japan said like you know for example it's a very basic thing you just build boarding school boarding so house for yeah. us like you know across the river where we can stay for like those three months and we can our education won't be uh, impacted but to have that you need to have that will and you need to uh, actually know what the people are going through all right so priti uh, before we get to you know how the government has been responding to these annual floods and the compensation and um, how it's been helping people uh, i would like you to talk a little bit uh, about majuli a little more about majuli majuli yeah okay so uh majuli i think the first thing i want to say is that majuli the people was so so warm i mean i don't i don't want to obviously say that the other places the people were warm but yeah. i don't know majuli had the special uh, warmth to it i want to say like they invited me to stay over for a wedding that oh, night wow. uh, they were really warm people and um, it's it's very uh, i mean you know it's so uh, interesting because the kind of trauma that they've gone through it uh, you know usually you'd expect uh, i mean i don't want to generalize but then you'd expect some uh, people who've gone through so much trauma to be uh, you know hardened towards like yeah, some and, form of you know, bitterness yeah, yeah. exactly and mm. who am i i'm just a journalist who's come to record their yeah. trauma for and i'm i must be one amongst thousands who've come yeah. and recorded their trauma over the years and nothing ever like you know changes for them but still right. the want it really you know like stuck with me um majuli is uh, you know it's very uh, you know, it's right in the middle of the brahmaputra and it's so interesting to you know just uh, get on a ferry and cross over to this like you know huge expanse of land and um in like you know the middle of a ravine and no island but it was so interesting to see but as you like you know reached the island only you could tell that the uh, you know it was eroding from the sides it was very visible and uh, mm. no really really visible and you could tell that uh, it used to be a larger expanse and uh dokimpat kolbotro was right at the edge it was um about i think a 10 minute uh, drive from not wrong um at the edge of the um what do you call it the island and uh, yeah a lot of the people are fishermen there and um they depend on the river for their livelihood and uh, the only like i mentioned the only way to get on and off the island is by ferry there's no other way right. you can't like you know take your own boat and try and go across huh. it's not um, you know especially during the floods so during the flood months the ferry services stop 
so i think that's oh, important i see because the people are you know stranded in their um on the island completely so uh, yeah so in uh, majuli yeah the ferry is the only way to get on and off uh, the island and uh, during the flood months it's especially it's especially difficult for the people because as i said uh, most of them are fishermen and uh, during the flood months because the river is so um, you know uh, for lack of a better word treacherous as the uh, you know um article uh, is titled yeah. but it's so you can't fish during those months and uh, and you're already you're cut off from you know the mainland and uh, relief material has to come i guess through like i mean through um uh, you have to airdrop a relief mm. material or mm. you know you look for a respite in the treacherous river but mm. i mean um yeah it's especially it's very difficult uh, for the people they showed me the uh, you know lines where the flooding uh, you know the the water lines of yeah. the flood on the uh, houses wow. was still like you know fresh mm. and uh, yeah it's very difficult um yeah uh, it's very scary and uh, you know at the end of your report it is very you know t- uh, like moving at the end of your report you're talking to this man from majulian you uh, i think you ask him um you know why can't you just leave this place and yeah. um, and he says uh, you know he laughed and he said this is my birthplace all my ancestors were born here and even if i wanted to leave there was there is no way i could i don't have the money to just walk into jorhat town and buy a piece of land i have to take all my struggles in my stride and survive this is my land and i shall die here yeah which is uh, it's heartbreaking yeah. i mean there's uh, i mean there were very uh, like the responses that i got from the people you know when i would ask this question because i asked this uh, question to like all the people i met mm-hmm. why yeah. don't you just leave, leave. and uh, there were a few who said uh, this ki this is my land and i will die here mm-hmm. and there were others who said where would we go yeah you, know, you can't just there's no uh, you know government mm-hmm. assurance to tell exactly. you exactly want to leave then we will give you this other space and you can go there there's no sort of you know uh, assurance or confidence uh, building from the government which will like you know give these people the um, you know the push to even leave these areas Right. it's just it's a very um the perspective on the flood is very uh, you know one of just very shallow yeah right uh that talking about the government uh supriti i mean uh, through all your reports it's quite clear that uh, you know there's no comprehensive uh, method that the government has you know over the years since this happens every year there's no compre- comprehensive method that the government has managed to uh, you know create or build uh, to deal with this annual disaster right? Uh, right i mean even basic stuff like compensation and food like that is required you know survival uh, you know yeah. s- stuff drinking that is water. required yeah drinking water is not uh, you know Uh, reaching people uh, so apart tell me apart from spending 30000 crores in the last 60 years uh, in building embankments uh, which also technically are not helpful in the long term what has the government been doing nothing that can be you know nothing tangible on the ground like of the all the villages that i visited snigtha honestly hmm. none of them none of the people had a good word to say 
about like you know the government helping them out in any way to reduce the um, you know the trauma that they have to mm. go through here there's even for example uh, um uh, lokima i think yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. lokima had uh, you know she lost her house uh, like completely destroyed okay right. this was uh, like 6 months before i had reached so that huh. means at the beginning of the flood like initially in like yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. she had lost her house completely it was completely destroyed huh. and she, in the, in a month like uh, she had um, you know filed uh, that uh, she had filled the form for you know getting compensation right. because of the and till day till the day that i had reached there was no response from the government wow. now even if you have uh, like you know stuff listed out in the um, disaster response fund if you say that you know for a damaged house you get x amount of money huh. if you if that's not happening on the ground what is the point of it being there on paper right right you can have so many you know schemes and uh, mm. you know all of it on paper if it's not reaching the people then what is the point for example and i'll give you another instance mm. in uh, japan for instance like mm. i said it's an island again it's a, it's a, a sandwich between two rivers and that's also shrinking huh. now the people the people there the only time that the people of japan have received aid is through the local ngo right that, that's the only uh, you know the grains the drinking water huh. all of that comes to the local ngo not through like government. the you know the government and even like it's just it's even in uh, borfalang it was it was same across all the villages they there was no concrete measures uh, you know in place that would you know tackle the floods before they arrived you can the narrative that uh, you know states is that oh it's a yearly phenomenon we oh. can't do anything about it. it like you said in the beginning if it's a yearly phenomenon you know exactly when it's going to come you know mm-hmm. exactly the kind of damage is going to do you know exactly the kind of relief materials that the people will need yeah. but yeah. you aren't uh, you know the like if it's not actually, what are you doing yeah yeah what are you doing exactly yeah, yeah. and and also i mean i'm sure since it's an annual uh, occurrence there must be uh, i don't exactly know how much money but there must be a lot of money that uh, the government uh, saves up for uh, you know the floods every year where yeah so i am not sure where i read it but i had read uh, somewhere that uh, you know that a stamps um, so every state is allocated like a specific amount no for in the mm. disaster response yeah. fund yeah. and i had read somewhere that uh, the amount that is allocated to a stamp mm. is being reduced because they have they don't use all of it Wow. now i can't remember where i've read it but um yeah yeah mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it's just so interesting that you know you have so much uh, to do on the ground there's so many people you know waiting to like you know get relief but you aren't making use of the funds that you already have yeah and uh, now with the uh, i mean especially with technology we saw uh, we saw how easy it has become like the other day when uh, you know with the farmers protest going on uh, remember i think 2 3 days ago when the uh, when the prime minister he uh, released 18000 crore rupees to i don't know 9 crore farmers or something uh-huh. through the touch of one button it went exactly. that one uh-huh. like you know it was a bank holiday hmm 
so if that is possible why is this money not reaching people who need it so badly and are in such a helpless uh, i mean through your report it's so heartbreaking uh, supriti i mean each each person's story that you've uh, mentioned in the report yeah. is just so you know there are children who want to study there are people who want to they want and they don't just want free stuff i mean they're willing to work oh. hard for it you know exactly. but um, yeah and it's it's just like we i think we forget that you know when we see these like uh, numbers on uh, tv ki 56 lakh people affected in assam mm. because of the floods but you don't realize that you know you're like each person ha- each person is an individual who has to face all of this and they have to you know bear the mental toll of this every single year simple menial things like you know having a bath like you, when you're in a village submerged having a bath is such a difficult yeah. task going like you know going to the bathroom is such a difficult task and we just dehumanize these uh, you know um, uh, yeah. natural disasters completely because we think it's you know uh, it's a natural uh, disaster it's like we can't do anything about it we can't do anything yeah. and there's no like you know it's not relatable but mm. the humans at the you know core of this and i think that was the intention with which um we set like i set out to bring out the human in the yeah. natural disaster i think so if you could uh, just finish off with uh, you know throwing some light on the kind of emotional toll that it takes on people losing your home every year i mean I can't I can't even imagine what it is like not being able to send your children to school you know um uh, there is i mean ideally ideally not only should they be receiving compensation they should also be getting access to uh, you know people who help them with their mental health Exactly. Actually. Yeah. There's no uh, talk of like you know yeah. uh, mental health. Uh, I mean, there are NGOs for sure that you know try and uh, give a sort of holistic relief in mm-hmm. that sense. Uh, but I mean, there was this like I told you. I think I'd mentioned this in the earlier podcast also when mm-hmm. I visited a uh, um, uh, Bagjan like uh, mm-hmm. the Bagjan. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, what like when you see uh, you know you're there in your capacity as a journalist to take you know to make a note of like you know history as such like you're seeing history happen and you want to record it mm. and you have these very real people in front of you breaking down and you just you know they and they in through like their uh, tears they're telling you that you i know you're here i know you're here for a very like no like you're do you're trying to do something noble but yeah. you can never understand and yeah. that's the truth mm-hmm. i can even though i went there like you know i was there i went through to all of these villages and i you know uh, tried to understand everyone's stories everyone's perspectives and everyone's issues but at the end of the day i will never know what it's like to have to you know not to not be able to for example send my child to school simply because i can't like yeah. there's a river there's a there's a mad raging river obstructing me from that yeah. or the fact that i have to take out like you know scoop out water from like just beside my house which is filled with garbage and dirt and you know just mud and i have to boil it and you know drink somehow drink it like i will never be able to know what you know that yeah. is but 
and neither will you or neither will any of us who have don't have to live it but that doesn't mean we don't you know acknowledge it and we don't see it in all that it is yeah. and we have to have to like you know uh, there has to be policy reform and there has to be something done to um uh, yeah alleviate these people who have had to suffer for so yeah. long All right I think that brings us to the end of our discussion today thank you so much Supriti thank you for having thank me thank you Nika. for uh, traveling more than 1000 <laughs> kilometers and bringing us these stories uh, that we really really needed to hear listeners uh, please let me remind you that bringing these reports to you you know not just uh, does it require time and hard work but also resources and like you know news laundry is 100% ad free we do not take any funds from the government or sponsors corporates or any such thing we are completely dependent on people like you who understand why independent media is important uh, in times like this uh, you know when everything is so polarized so uh, thankfully we at news laundry are lucky to have supporters who are kind enough to fund reports like this uh, through our news laundry sena project but to help us continue our work to support us consistently please do consider subscribing to us because um we really need it really to keep us afloat you need to subscribe if you like the kind of work we're doing you need to subscribe it's just 300 rupees a month and uh, Yeah so please go to our website check out all our ground reports i'm not just saying you know just go and subscribe because we need it look at the kind of work we are doing and i'm sure you'll think it is worth uh you know 300 rupees at least a month so yes all right uh, we shall finish off with some recommendations supriti so please go uh so i want to recommend this uh docu series that i watched which is called uh, room 2806 the accusation uh-huh. uh it's about uh the uh sexual um assault accusation made on the uh uh french politician dominique strauss-kahn uh-huh. this was pre uh, me to uh, before the me to movement and it's an extremely well done uh you know docu series uh it's a four part series and for people that already know uh, you know the incident about the um, uh, allegation and everything there's no mm-hmm. new details as such but then it really uh, in a very comprehensive way shed light on the way sexual assault cases are dealt with mm-hmm. right thank you so much supriti no problem yeah all right uh, my recommendation this week is this podcast called bunga bunga and it's it's actually about you'll understand what the words mean because it's very important to the rise and fall of this man uh, who you know as the former prime minister of italy uh, silvio berlusconi Okay. And uh, if you think Trump is bad, then uh, well, multiply Trump into hundred. That is oh, wow. real Berlusconi for you. <laughs> That's Sleazy. a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> it's basically about his rise and fall, you know. And uh, it's hosted. Uh, the podcast is uh, hosted by this um, American comic uh, called uh, Whitney Cummings. So it's really fun, you know, tongue in cheek kind of. And uh, very Whitney inf- Cummings. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So <laughs> very informative, but uh, not boring at all. And uh, yeah, you should totally listen to it. It's there on Spotify. I think it's about uh, eight episodes. 
So that okay. is my recommendation. And uh, listeners, if you liked this podcast, please do rate it on iTunes or whatever platform you tune into. We also have a bunch of other podcasts like Hafta and Awful and Awesome. Better the rating, more the reach. And that means more subscribers. And that means better content. And also, uh, we are very eager to hear your feedback. Uh, we want to make this podcast better, uh, better listening experience for all of you. So do send us your feedback at contact at newslaundry.com with reporters without orders in the subject line. Or um, you could also leave your comments on Twitter or Instagram or our Facebook page. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. Happy New Year in advance and see you next year. Thank you. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.